Hi, this is Gary Life Art, and you are listening to podcast Body is a Temple in this episode. I think that the older we get, also the better understanding we have that we are just part of this system. Everything in our bodies is a system. It's not separate pieces and parts, the way medicine had a, a way of looking at it. It's all one system. And when your biome is working, when your microbiome is working, it's connected to your brain, it's connected to your fingers, all of it is part of the same system. How could we've ever thought otherwise? It's all the same thing. And so when you have a problem in one part of your system, that problem will be reflected in the whole system. And your relationship with food is essential essential. You need to know where your food is coming from. You need to know what your food is. Hi, this is Kari Life Art and you are listening to Body is a Temple, podcast that will motivate and inspire you to live longer and look younger. Enjoy the show. Hi guys, welcome to Body is a Temple and today I have a guest, Lynn Bowman, and we're gonna talk about food and nutrition. But I, as always, my question, my first question to my guest is, what is your story? What took you in your journey to the place where you are now and sharing your gifts with, uh, with the world? Hi, I'm uh, really happy to be with you, Karina, and uh, I've already enjoyed the conversation we've had, and I'm looking forward to continuing it. It's so much fun for me at my age, I'm 75, to connect with really young people who are starting out on their journeys, uh, because my story's long. I mean, <laughs> you know, it goes way, way back. I, I had my first full-time job in the advertising industry in an agency in 1966. So think of me as this relic from a TV show you may have seen. Um, Mad Men is the, the show. That was me. That, that was the clothes I was wearing. That was the world that I lived in. And, and now here we are. Uh, so many years forward. And the, my journey, if you will, was I've been seeking most of this time good information about health. Particularly, I'm a type 2 diabetic. I've known that since I was in my 40s. And all that time, no one really gave it to me straight. Nobody really helped explain to me what you do, what you eat, what don't you do, what's going to help. Now I understand it's because they still are finding out. We still don't absolutely know, but we know a lot more than we did in the 70s, in the 80s, even the 90s. Uh, there's a lot of interesting research coming out now. So my journey has brought me to writing a book. That's the book I wish somebody had written for me. I wish somebody had handed me a book in early 1980s that said, here, type 2 diabetes, no worries. Here you go. Here's what you do. Here's what you don't do. And here's how to prevent it. And here's how to 
reverse it in many cases. So I've ended up now out here talking, yelling in some cases at people because y'all, you can prevent this. You can prevent so many chronic diseases just by not eating crap, just by making some sensible, good decisions about moving. Uh, You don't have to be a ballet dancer. You don't have to be, you know, a champion marathon runner, but you can certainly move and we all need to do that. So it's movement. It's, we were talking uh, a little earlier about circadian rhythm. It's understanding light and how it affects you and what to do as, as a result of that. It's understanding sleep, but these are not, I mean, you can make them complicated and I've certainly racked up hundreds of hours of listening and reading about islet cells and, and light um, uh, technology, but it's not complicated. And so I'm out here trying to be everybody's grandma now saying, look, this is what you do. It's easy. It's not hard and it will make you happy. And don't be a twit, okay? Just don't. Uh, Because being a twit about your health isn't just about you. I have to take care of you. Somebody else has to take care of you. My daughter, who is a nurse practitioner, has to take care of you. If you don't do these simple things now that you need to do. And, you know, when you're in your 20s and 30s, it's like, I'm gorgeous. I'm wonderful. Who cares? And you drink too much and you eat too much. And I get it. I did that. Boy, did I do that. I mean, you know, it was the 60s. So we were really doing that. Um, But what happens is you get a little older and a little smarter. And hopefully in your 40s and 50s, you will clean your act up and find out what your hemoglobin A1C is, which is your blood glucose measurement, uh, and find out what your body is saying in response to all the mistreatment that you've given it. And, and you'll turn your little ship around and you'll start going in a good direction. The, the reward for doing those things is so worth whatever small amount of deprivation you feel. And, and I wrote this book, Rena, because I wanted people to understand that it's not really deprivation at all. It's starting to eat better stuff more beautiful stuff, more fragrant stuff, um, more variety of food. If you are eating the standard American diet, the SAD, S-A-D diet, you're eating white bread three or four times a day. You're eating brown sort of mystery meat three or four times a day. And you're eating a lot of dairy and, and butter and ice cream and and you're, you're walking around with the Frappuccini coffee all day, which is full of sugar and dairy milk um, and heaven knows what else, little <laughs> pump of this and a pump of that, right? And I'm sorry to be Grandma Buzzkill here, but it's wrecking your teeth uh, and it's wrecking your liver and uh, it's not worth it. You know, you can you can get the same lovely buzz from a cup of black coffee, which is really healthy. Nothing wrong with it. And if you get it at a nice coffee place, it's going to be good. It's going to be French press. I've got one right here right in front of me. It's going to be good French press coffee, which 
fabulous drug. I mean, you know, it's a nice little high, but it's not going to wreck your body or your skin or your hair. Um, it's not going to make you gain weight. It's not going to wreck your insulin. So we're just talking about trading out some stupid stuff, some bad stuff that you are addicted to. And let's talk about that in a minute. Trading yeah, that stuff. I, I have a question if I might interrupt okay. you. Okay, yeah. hop in, girl. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like many people have gone through this story when they were, you know, the party animal during, during the 20s. And I've been there too. And before I'm going to dive with you to, to what's in your book and what did you learn to, um, to uh, transform that, I want to ask, like, why, why do you think we're going through this? Like, why do we need to, you know, fall down to the rock bottom to then go up and really start growing and shining and, and transforming? Well, I don't think we do need to go to rock bottom. I know that what really got me started uh, and we all have our personal histories that are different and take us in different directions. My mother died when I was 18. She was in her forties and I was 18 and she had had a chronic disease. So I had an up close and personal look at what chronic disease does to a family and what it does to a family to lose mom at an early age. Uh, she was a beautiful, educated, fun, wonderful person who had kidney disease. And so I lost her. So uh, that colors the rest of your life. You, you, you never are the same person that you were before. And I found myself, I'll skip a lot of, of years, but I found myself the mother of three small children that I had in kind of rapid succession and the single mother of three small children. And I am broke and, you know, this is maybe the rock bottom that you're talking about, but I, I was absolutely determined, Karina, that I was going to survive for those kids. I was going to stay on my feet, stay strong, stay healthy and get them grown up. And that ab absolutely fueled everything that I did from that point and is still fueling it. I have my second grandchild now. I just had a new grandson a few weeks ago. And for any of you who don't know it, it's the most wonderful thing, fabulous thing in the whole world to have your daughters give birth to children and sharing that with them is, is just the best. That's the reward of eating your vegetables. <laughs> and I want you to, to do it. Um, so when I found out I was diabetic, it was like, okay, uh, I got to get on this. I have to understand this. I have to beat this. I have to stay healthy in spite of this. So right away, I started doing some of the things that were known then and prescribed then. That is, you know, try and keep your weight down and don't eat sugar and keep your carbs limited. But the advice was so cursory and so kind of broad and uh, not particularly convincing in some cases. And so many things just weren't explained about it. I was someone who always loved to eat and I didn't mind cooking because I knew that's how I was gonna get decent food. Um, so I started experimenting and I kept myself in pretty healthy range. Um, you know, I would get my checkup every year and so on. 
And then I decided to, and I wrote a couple of other books and um, about my way of cooking, which was fast, easy, <laughs> simple, and yummy and healthy. Uh, because when you have kids, that's what you wind up doing. You got to do it quick. You got to keep the budget in order and you got to throw it on the table. The kids have to like it. So part of growing up, uh, and I always, of course, had to work full time and had a pretty demanding career. So, so, um, learning how to put food on the table was an integral part of that. So these things came together, then kids grew up, and I decided to have some fun writing the book that no one ever wrote for me. I wanted to write the book for people who would find out that they were diabetic, and, and I wanted them to know that it was fine. It was, it was okay. They were going to be swell if they just did these things. And I had the book about half written, maybe more than that. And I just happened to, you know, we're talking about going to conferences. I just happened to see that there was this conference going on in Oakland, California, not far from me. Uh, the Plantricians were having a conference. And this is a group of docs from all over the world, MDs, surgeons, all practices, who are kind of outliers in that they truly practice what they preach, which is healing with food. So I thought, I got I to gotta go. I got to see these people and hear what they have to say, because here are the people who are cutting people open for a living, talking about what would prevent that from being necessary. So off I went, and there were PowerPoints from 8 in the morning until 8 o'clock at night. Data, more data, more data, and a lot of not great food, by the way. But the data was coming at me all the time. And then at lunch, I'd be picking at this food, which was all vegan food at this conference. I'm going, you know, this could be so much better. <laughs> this, this is not as fun as I'd like to see food. And so I'd go back in, I'd sit down, more PowerPoints. <clears throat> and by the time it was all done and I got in the car, my husband picked me up and I said, guess what? And he said, what? And I said, I'm vegan now. <laughs> and it got very quiet in the car. And <laughs> he kept driving. And he said, okay, I'm in. Uh, and for six months, I had just had my blood work done. And for six months, I ran an experiment on myself, which was what happens when an in-control diabetic eating what diabetics are told to eat goes vegan? Quits meat completely, quits dairy completely. Uh, at that point, I even, I stopped eating eggs. Um, no meat, no fish, nothing. Strictly vegan. What happens? Six months later, I went in. I had my blood work done, as usual. And I, my hemoglobin A1C was down three points, which if you are not familiar with how that works, that's a major reduction in your hemoglobin A1C, a major average reduction in your blood glucose. My doctor, who's been my doctor for some time, who specializes in um, endocrine situations, uh, a diabetes being one of them, 
said, Lynn, that just doesn't happen in people your age. It just doesn't happen. And I said, oh, yes, it does. It just did. You just saw it. And so I went home and rewrote my book. Um, I retooled some recipes. <clears throat> I added some bits. A lot of it was there. But what I ended up writing was a book that if you were vegan, if you were a pescatarian, someone who just eats fish, if you were an ovo uh, vegan, if you just ate some eggs, or you can use this book as a simple, easy, sensible, practical guide to how to get healthier and stay healthy with what you eat. But essentially, it's what so many of us are talking about now. It's a plant-based, whole food way of eating. You know, not complicated. Eat food. Eat real food, mostly plants, not too much, as Michael Pollan said so brilliantly. And the thing that is interesting to discuss with people who particularly are interested in the weight loss part of this if you do that, if you eat real food, mostly plants, you really can't eat too much. You can't, your stomach just says, no, thanks, I'm done. Because you're, you're putting nutrient-dense food in your body. And what that does is all the hormones and this whole setup, this brilliant temple-like setup that you have in your body is all set up to go, okay, great, that's enough, we're good, thanks, we'll digest that, and we'll get back to you. And then the next thing that you have to do, which Americans are lousy at, we were also talking about this, circadian rhythm, you have to stop eating at a certain point, stop. At the end of the day, before it gets dark, stop, stop. And what you do then is you allow your body to do the, the processes that it needs to do when the sun goes down, when you're supposed to be sleeping. And a thing I didn't learn until very late in my life, and I hope you know this already, anybody listening, you only heal in your deepest sleep. That's when your body, everything, and I think of it as the street crew. You got to wait till the traffic's all gone before the guys come out with the hoses and the shovels and the trucks and they fix the road. You can't fix the road when the traffic is still rolling by. So if you're throwing a pizza down at 11 o'clock at night, watching TV, you're doing a couple of things really wrong. One, you're messing with your circadian rhythm because you're blasting it with light and stimulation from the TV. That's a no-no. And two, you're, you're putting this traffic out on the freeway in the middle of the night. When your night crew is in there, getting all right. They wants to clean up. The process is called autophagy. One of my swell new vocabulary words. I love it. Uh, and what that means is simply your body's own ability to cleanse and renew itself. These cells all shed stuff. The names of which I'm sorry, I can't remember. Because uh, remember me in the PowerPoints, I couldn't do it. <laughs> Thank you. Amazing. But, amazing. Um, 
amazing story with the with the traffic. I really like that uh, comparison. Uh, and thank you for sharing also your personal story because uh, that's what I want to share in my podcast that to show people that we are real humans. We are not like super, you know, super robots or whatever. We had our own journey. We And what I like the most, you said that you want to make this uh, cooking simple, fast, easy and, you know, manageable. Uh, yeah. So I want to ask now about if you could tell more um, to, the, uh, to the audience what's in the book and also maybe like a first step for someone who's listening, um, they're struggling with, with health, maybe also type, type one or type two diabetes. What would be the first thing that you would recommend them to, to do with their diet to, to improve their health and their blood results? Well, of course, the first thing is buy my book. <laughs> Get the book right now because it's all in there and it's simple. It's a couple hundred pages, lots of pictures, it's easy. I wrote it for an eight-year-old or an 85-year-old. But what's in there, Karina, is, is, first of all, lots of sweets. The title is Brownies for Breakfast. And I love sweets. And I think most people, to some degree or other, love sweets. What I teach you is how to make them with none of the bad stuff and lots of great stuff. And so the brownie is a good example. My brownies are made with... You ready? Nut butter, uh, particularly almond butter or cashew butter, almond butter, pumpkin, canned pumpkin or boxed pumpkin puree, um, cocoa right out of the, you know, just regular old ground up chocolate. Uh, and I use for a sweetener, I use monk fruit or chicory root. There are lots of great new sweetener. I'm not crazy about stevia. But there are some wonderful new sweeteners out there. And I describe them all and talk about the different qualities of each one. So what you're doing is you're replacing sugar with something that is a non-caloric um, product that will not spike your blood sugar, that will not even affect your blood sugar. So you're replacing the sugar and you're replacing flour and oil with a vegetable, with pumpkin. And you're replacing, uh, you, you are using some oil because you're using nut butter, which is in fact, but it's a nut oil and it's very healthy. It's full of protein, it's full of fiber, it's full of all this other good stuff. So this brownie that you're making that's gooey and delicious and you'll share with your friends is all good food. You could eat it literally for breakfast, for lunch, for dinner. It's a, it's a meal because you've got protein, you've got fiber, you've got vegetable, you've got vitamin, tons of good stuff in that brownie. And furthermore, once you eat one or two of those brownies, I would defy you to eat a lot more because you're gonna sit there and go, whoa, I have eaten some. Your stomach is gonna say, thank you, that was great, but that'll do, it's enough, it's enough. And so the, the book is full of recipes for good sweets, for uh, cakes and pies and, and muffins and cookies and any you know, kind of sweet that you can imagine. I just have figured out how to make it with no sugar and no flour, so no gluten uh, and, and no eggs. You can make it all with egg substitute, no dairy, no dairy, which leads us to your question is what are the first couple of steps that people can take. 
My answer to that is always the same thing. And that is number one, quit sugar, quit. Now, stop. Sugar is more addictive than heroin. I'm not making this up. There's all kinds of data out there. This has been written about beautifully by people who do much better research than I do. Sugar is responsible in great degree for our epidemic now of chronic disease. Because since the 30s, 40s, 50s, food manufacturers have put it in everything. So if you are eating packaged foods of any kind, cereal, um, you know, dinner, TV dinners, whatever, any kind of a pack, anything with a label on it with ingredients, sugar is going to be on there once, twice, three, four times, because in, according to the United States law, you have to list the ingredient that is most prominent in there on top. But the manufacturers have figured out that if they call it something else, if they call it um, maltodextrin or something, they can lift it, they can list it separately from sugar. So when you read the label on anything that you're eating with a package, read it carefully, and you're going to see that sugar and of course, fat and salt. But and people ask me, what about keeping my salt down? How do I limit my salt? If you are not eating packaged food, if you're eating whole food, plant-based, you're not eating too much salt. You can add whatever salt you want and you will not be eating too much salt. It's the salt that's in fast food, in packaged food that is killing you. I'm sorry, it is. If I might add uh, something about salt, because I'm actually a big fan of salt, but the salt that is uh, from the sea uh, or the Himalaya salt, like the quality salt. And I am- Good salt. Yeah, I am literally travel with myself and in the restaurants. I'm using my, my own too. salt sometimes. So it's not uh, about, it's just about the quality of product also that we use, not only Absolutely. what kind of product. So yes, please go ahead with what else is, uh, what are- Well, our, and I'll add to that, Karina, that I, two of my favorites, I love smoky salt, smoke flavored salt and truffle salt. Just with those two products, I can turn a lot of really ordinary food into great food. Doesn't take a whole lot, a little sprinkle of something like that. So, and those are in my book too. And, and those are some of the tricks that you learn to add flavor without adding poison, you know, without adding some awful thing. Um, so where were we? we were talking about sugar and um, getting the sugar out of your diet completely. And then people say to me, well, don't you get cravings? Do I, well, it is an addiction. So it will take you a week or two or three. Also, people say to me, well, what about just cutting back on sugar? And my answer is, what if I said to you, why don't you just cut back on your heroin a little? Why don't you just limit your heroin? Same thing. You have to quit. You have to break that addiction. And when you do, here's the happy surprise. After two, three weeks, your body begins to this wonderful body that we keep. Thank you, body. We love you. Uh, your body will accommodate you and will change chemically so that actually your saliva, for example, will not be the same as it was three weeks ago. 
your chemistry will change. Your saliva will change. You will stop even thinking sugar tastes good after a while. I don't eat any sugar at all, ever on anything. And I haven't for a long time. And the times that by mistake, I might get a taste of something. I'll go, oh my God, there's sugar in this. I can taste it. And it's not a good taste. And it makes you thirsty. So never fear. Once you're done with sugar, you'll be fine. You don't want it anymore. And I hope that you will do that for your children because your children are all mostly addicted to sugar now. They're rewarded with sugar. Every time you turn around, well, you did got an A on your test. Let's go get you an ice cream. Your sugar has become synonymous with good, happy, celebration, birthday cake, all this stuff. So, uh, and you can, you can make a beautiful birthday cake with no sugar. And I'll tell you how in the book. Um, but that's what I want for your children and for you. So that's number one, quit sugar. Number two is, is surprising to a lot of people because we've been sold the bill of goods by big food for decades. They've told us what, they, what is healthy. And one of the things they've told us is really vital in our diet and for our children is milk. And I want you to give up dairy completely. Just give it up. And that's another one where people go, oh my gosh, how can, how can you even do that? Can you do that? Yes, you can do it. And it's not hard. And the, the benefit, the reward is that you all of a sudden allergies will just dry up. You, that runny nose that you've got, the sneeze, the cough, the GERD that you're, is waking you up at night and that you're going in to see your doctor about, it's all gone when you stop eating dairy. The hard part, I get it. I Nobody loved cheese more than me. But there are different kinds of cheese. Uh, once you've lived in France, maybe Spain, um, you've had real cheese. And you know what great cheese tastes like. And there's some places now around the world who are making great cheese. So if, if I am offered an artisanal cheese made by women who raise their own cows and, you know, keep the cows in beautiful condition and don't give them antibiotics. And this cowgirl creamery in Point Reyes in California is one of those. Um, okay. I'll have a bite of beautiful, wonderful, personally made cheese. But the problem in our country is that we're eating crappy cheese. That's not even really cheese. And we're eating it two or three meals a day in everything boxed macaroni and cheese and cheeseburgers and grilled cheese. And it's, but all, the cheese that's in that is not good food. It's just not. And it's costing your body a lot. You're allergic to it basically. And you may not even know it. So quit, quit dairy. So now we've quit sugar and we've quit dairy. And what happens? Guess what happens? It's remarkable. First of all, there's so much you just can't eat because you've quit sugar. So when you quit sugar, you quit eating all these other things that usually are attached to the sugar. And then same with dairy. What happens is the weight will just drop off your body. Any excess weight that you're carrying around. And I'm not out here as a big proponent of you got to be skinny and you got, no, 
But what happens naturally, if you stop eating those things that your body is having trouble with, it, st it starts dropping the weight that it's been hoarding because it didn't quite know what to do with all these calories and it had hormones telling it conflicting things. And so all it knew to do was save it up as fat cells in the fat cells that exist. So you will lose weight. If you don't want to lose weight, you might want to listen to some other granny, not me. But if you are okay with losing some weight, this is a painless way to do it. It will just disappear. It just goes away. Especially if you listen to what Karina and I have to say about when to eat, which is to quit eating, especially at night. Now everyone's calling it um, intermittent fasting, which is hilarious to me, but it just means it's okay to skip a meal. It's okay not to have breakfast. Eat in the middle of the day when the sun is high, when your circadian rhythm, when your natural cave person wants to eat. That's when you should eat and enjoy. Have a glass of wine, one with food. It's okay. It's wonderful. But when the day starts to go away, the food should go away with it. You've got other things to do, you know, sleep, sex. You know, there's lots of great stuff to do after dark besides eat and watch crappy TV. So that's what I want for you. Make music, sing, dance, have a fire. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. I agree totally with that. Today is a full moon, so I'm planning some sunset slash full moon ritual. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and it's so, so beautiful. So beautiful. Kind of my last question. I want to ask what other things you learn about health on the way. You talked about the circadian rhythm, the sugar, the dairy, the cooking, uh, vegan cooking. Is there something else that you want to share um, from your experience that you learn about maintaining health? And thank you also for sharing your age because I think it's uh, important for the listeners to see such a good looking person and not being, you know, uh, ashamed of the age and like mentioning about this uh, so freely. That's also important for me. <laughs> Thank you. But, you know, I would love for the message to go out to the whole world that you, your life can just get better and better. And I hope it will. My, I've never been happier in my life. Uh, it, this age is, it, it's such a freeing time for us, you know, you're, you, you allow yourself to just be over all the expectations that other people have of you, you know, by now, you know, what a good relationship is hopefully, and how to enjoy that. Um, I am fortunate to have three grown children in their forties, none of which are felons. I'm happy to say, um, they're, they're good, happy people who, uh, are leading good lives and, it, what else do we want? I mean, what could be more wonderful than that? I, I live in a wonderful place. I'm surrounded by redwoods. Um, one of the things, by the way, that I've recently learned, and I hope other people are learning this as well, here I am living at the edge of the redwoods, some of the oldest, most magnificent beings on earth. And we now understand that they have a network under the soil with which they speak to each other. There is a mama tree, they call her the hub tree, 
who sends out food, who sends out messages, warnings, all kinds of things through this network of fungi under the earth. Now, folks, we, that's, we need to know more about that. Hello. And then there's also a network in the overstory of the trees with as much as three or four inches of soil up there growing things up in those trees that aren't those trees growing something different. Um, so that's what I'm learning about now and loving. And I think that the older we get, also the better understanding we have that we are just part of this system. Everything in our bodies is a system. It's not separate pieces and parts, the way medicine had a, a way of looking at it. It's all one system. And when your biome is working, when your microbiome is working, it's connected to your brain, it's connected to your fingers, all of it is part of the same system. How could we've ever thought otherwise? It's all the same thing. And so when you have a problem in one part of your system, that problem will be reflected in the whole system. And your relationship with food is essential, essential. You need to know where your food is coming from. You need to know what your food is. What are you putting in your body? You know, is it something out of a box, <laughs> right? Who made that box? Why did they make that box? Um, so I want everyone to, to have the joy that I do of pulling food out of the earth, of having friends who grow food and animals, grass-fed animals are our friends. Sometimes we eat them, but um, I don't particularly now, but I even feel guilty about the salmon that I eat because they're these beautiful creatures and, uh, and I love the taste and, I, and it's healthy, but um, it's gonna be interesting to see where the world goes with, do we need to eat each other or can we come up with something else? If I may share something about that, like for me, eating is a, it's a spiritual practice. I dedicate eating to, to the higher, higher power, actually. And I'm praying before food and just being grateful for what I have on my plate is an animal. I'm, you know, praying for the animal sacrifice so it can nourish me. And that changed like a lot in my in my eating because I started to listen to my body and there are days when I don't want to eat meat and there are days, for example, when I'm working out, doing some weightlifting training, when my body is saying to me, hey, eat a piece of meat. And it's just working perfectly, <laughs> just working perfectly. So that's my personal experience to kind of like listen to what, what your body is telling you to eat. Uh, Absolutely. When you have, when you have the, 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 the right relationship and you're, in, you're consuming food that is full of nutrients, not processed, not plastic one. Yeah. And I love your word, Karina. It's, it's gratitude. You know, it re reflects in everything that we do and who we are. Uh, and food is symbolic in the deepest way. We, food isn't just food. We feed one another, we feed ourselves, we feed our creatures that are our friends. Uh, that's how we express love. That's how we teach. It's so many things. It's how we connect literally 
how we connect with the earth. And I'm happy uh, in my life to begin to reach the point where a lot of other people are talking about this relationship with the earth and how vital it is. And, you know, all the talk about climate change and so on. Yes, that, yes, but it's closer and deeper than that, as far as I'm concerned. It's, it's the dirt outside your front door and inside your front door in some cases. It's, it's the little pot that you have on your sink with leaves growing things in it. Uh, it's these little humble moments where we see the brilliance of how things do work if we can let them work, like our bodies. Our bodies are brilliant if we let them work. Exactly, I agree with this. Beautiful. My last question is, of course, where people can find more about you, where they can find your book, your recipes. Can you share? All right. It's my website is an easy place for everybody to go and see the book and sign up on my list. If you would like to get recipes from me, it's right there on the front page. So it's lynnbowman.com, L-Y-N-N-E-B-O-W-M-A-N.com. I'm on Instagram and Facebook and all those places and happy to see you there. My, my author name is Lynn Parmiter Bowman. So it's L-Y-N-N-E. P-A-R-M-I-T-E-R, Bowman, B-O-W-M-A-N. Um, but Lynn Bowman will find me. Usually if you're just Googling, who is that brownies for breakfast lady? That's me. Uh, the book is Brownies for Breakfast, a cookbook for diabetics and the people who love them. And you can buy it on Amazon. I We will get a downloadable version up on Apple Books soon. Right now, you can buy a hardback, a paperback, a downloadable book on Amazon. If you go to your, your favorite independent bookseller, and I would encourage you to do that, ask them for the book. And if they say, oh, no, we don't have that, you go, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, you need this book. It's blowing up. It's everywhere. It's great. And, and see if they'll carry it but they will order it for you from their wholesaler because it's carried through a company called Ingram Spark, which is where all of the bookstores buy their books. So ask for it at your independent bookshop or go to Amazon, easy way. Go to my website, lynnbowman.com. Hope to see you there. Yes, uh, thank you. Of course, I'm going to put all the info in the show notes of the episode. And um, do you do you want to add any final thought uh, that uh, for our conversation, something that you want to uh, leave the audience with at the end? Well, you said the word conversation. I love this to be a conversation. And I really enjoy hearing from people who have tried my recipes. I love to see pictures of the recipes. I love to see pictures of their kids making the recipe or of their dad loving the donut or whatever it is. Um, like any grandma, you know, I, I love nothing more than sharing my food and my family and, and learning more about your food and your family. So let me hear from you. I'd love to. All right. Thank you. Thank you for being a guest. <laughs>